Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. Thank you, Miss Lauren. I appreciate you very much this morning. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to be for our text this morning, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. Continuing our series today entitled Empowered. Our series text is found in 1 Thessalonians 1 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in Oh, that was weak. There was no power in any of that this morning. I said, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power. There you go. There it is. And in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. A couple of weeks ago, uh, when I was preaching Empowered to Choose, I took some time to talk about where I believe that we are in our journey as a church. I use the journey of the Israelites as they come out of Egypt and as they're journeying through the wilderness and into the promised land to really illustrate our journey and, and to make my point. And I think that if there's a passage in the Bible that really kind of pinpoints and grabs where we are right now in the context of the church and, and its assignment that God has given it for the river. I think it's found in Joshua chapter 1 verses 1 through 7. I don't believe that we are, we are any longer Egyptian slaves. I don't believe that we're still people of bondage. I don't think that God, uh, that we're still bound and we're still uh, stuck in somewhere that we don't belong anymore. I believe that God's brought some people out in the place. Amen? And I believe that we're on this journey. And I don't believe that we're just wilderness wanderers either. But I believe that the more I pray about it and the more I think about it, I feel like that in our journey we have gone from, from Egypt, Egypt and we have traveled through the wilderness and we've come to the edge of the promised land that we stand really on the precipice of what God is trying to do in our lives. And, and we're right at the brink of breakthrough and right at the moment of breakthrough. And I think that even in a, in a, in a more narrow context, maybe in your personal life. I think many of you understand that and you feel that, that you've gone a long ways, that God, you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you want to be either, that God is bringing you along. And in this journey, you've come a long ways and you feel that you're standing on the verge of breakthrough in your life. And it's just one little thing. If I could just get over this hill, or if I could just get over this mountain, or if I could just get over this Jordan river in my way, then I would be walking into the promise of God. Certainly in our journey as a church, we've come a long ways, 90-something years of history of this church, seven, about five years, six years of the history as the river, but it's far beyond the river. Many, many years of history, many, many years of prayers, many, many years of sowing, many, many years of planting has come and been invested into this place to get us to where we are today. And, and certainly I don't think that when I look at this, I don't see us standing in the midst of promised land, uh, possessed and, and taken and, and grabbed hold of. I think there's still a lot of work to do. I think we've got a long ways to go, but I think we're closer than we've ever been somebody. 
I believe that we are perfectly positioned to possess the land that is before us. That we're getting close to a Jordan River and we're getting ready to cross over that Jordan into the promised land. But when we step into the promised land, we have to understand that that's when the real work begins. In the promised land, there are cities to conquer. In the promised lands, there are giants to dispel. There are seeds to be planted and fruit to be cultivated. All of that stuff happens not when you get into, before you get into the promised land, but when you step into the promised land. And as, I, as I've just really thought about this this week, I'm really thankful for everyone that has made this church their home in the last seven years that April and I have been, their, been your pastors. And for everybody that has come into this church over the last seven years and you're still a part of what we're doing now, I appreciate you very, very much. But I will have to say that I am extremely, extremely thankful for all of you that were here before us and are still here with us. All of us together, those that have come and those that have been here are standing together at the edge of a promise that God has prepared for us to possess. We are on the front side of the miraculous, somebody. And something I am learning is that it is a special moment to be standing on the front side of something miraculous and have the understanding and the wherewithal to know that's where you're at. It is a moment that all of us here will look back on fondly someday and be able to say, I was there before it all happened. I was a part of the journey that brought us to the place that we are at right now. And so with that in mind, I want to go to chapter 1 of Joshua and preach on possessing the land. Let me just read to you verse 11 before I get there this morning. It says, pass through the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go into the, to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. We're close I said we're close this morning. I, I feel that we're close. We're just so close. We can almost smell the promised land air just right across the river. We can smell it and sense it and see it and know that we're so close. And God has given us the command. He's given the river the command that, that we are to prepare for the land that we're about to possess. So help me preach this morning, empowered to possess. Father, I thank you for an anointing to preach the word of God this morning. I thank you for an anointing for people to have ears to hear what the spirit of God is saying. I pray that, Father, in this place that you stir up a revolution in the heart of each and every person that's in this room. I pray that, God, we can't sit still, but, God, we got to get moving because we feel the importance and the value of driving forward into the place that you have prepared for us. I pray an anointing would rest upon this message this morning morning, God, and that we would begin to see the fruits culminate from the activity of the people engaged in the mission and the promise of God. We thank you for that this morning in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I believe that this is going to help you this morning. It's going to help everybody in the room, myself included. And so listen to me over the next few minutes. Joshua chapter one, verse one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now let me look, direct you to a couple of other scriptures before I get into my preaching point here. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 
Therefore, if it is anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Isaiah 43, 18. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. The first point I want to make this morning is that we have to let go. Let go. Let go. Moses, my servant, is dead. Let go. You can't grasp something new today if you're holding on to something old. I said you can't get a hold of what God has for you in the future if you're stuck holding on to what God had for you in the past. you got to let go and move forward. You must let go to grab hold today. We understand that if we want to grab hold of something new, that requires us letting go of what we currently have hold of in order to embrace and grab hold of what God has for us. It's a hard thing. I'm not about to minimize it. I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm not acting like it's not a big deal and it's something that you can just snap your fingers and make happen in your life. But I am saying to you this morning, if we want to possess what God has for us in the future, then we got to get out of what God did in the past and start thinking about what God's trying to do forward. Old relationships, old dreams, old things, old life, all of those represent things that God has taken you from and he's trying to get you out of to get you into something else. There comes a point in everybody's life when we have to say Moses is dead. Now, what is next for me? Now, here's where I really want you to listen because I think this is a very important thing to note of the text in Joshua chapter 1 verse 2 it says Moses my what? servant Moses my servant not everything that you have to let go of is bad some very good things in your life have to be let go of in order for God to do what he has in mind for you next Sometimes you have to let go of good things to grab hold of great things. God doesn't want mediocrity for you. God doesn't want an average existence for you. God has great things in mind for you. And sometimes we have to let go of good things so we can grab hold of great things. Moses was amazing. Moses was wonderful. The children of Israel Owe a lot to Moses. Where would they be in their life if it hadn't been for Moses? But Moses is not the right guy for the next place. And as long as the people are holding on to Moses, they can't embrace Joshua, who has the skill set to lead them into the promised land. Moses is dead. And now it's time to let go of him. Now, the difficulty lies in that it feels like betrayal. It feels like betrayal. It feels like I had forgotten or I'm forgetting the investment of Moses 
or the times with Moses or the value of Moses. But I want you to understand that there's a big difference between forgetting and letting go. There's a big difference between forgetting and letting go. I can still appreciate everything that Moses contributed to the journey and still let go. I can still remember all that Moses did, all he invested, all he gave, and still let go. Because there's a difference between preserving memories and being a prisoner of the past. And what we do is we get those two things twisted. And we think because we're preserving the past that we're honoring the past, and, and that's true. But what, and how, what happens in reality many times is we just become a prisoner of that past. We get so stuck in what was so good that we miss what is so great that God is trying to give us. God is not done with you today. God's not finished with your life right now. God's not done with this church today. He's got bigger and better things for us, but we got to let go of what was so we can take hold of what is and what is to be. Let go of good things to grab hold of great things. Prisoners of the past can never possess the promise. And here's why, because they can't even see it. They can't even see it. You know, I, I study people, obviously, because I'm in the people business. And so many people, I'm like, why can't they understand and see that there's so much something better for them if they can just get out of what was and start embracing what is? But here's the problem. When you're focused on what was, you can't even see what is. Because you're too busy looking backwards at all the things that you had, all the way that it was good, all the way that it was right. Man, it was great when I was with Moses. I mean, that guy, he could strike a rock and water would come out. I mean, who, who does that today? I mean, he would say to God, God, these people are hungry. And then all of a sudden, like quail would start falling out of the sky. Every morning we would get up and we would walk outside and then we would find all this stuff on the ground. It was manna and it was just there because Moses was awesome. Moses was powerful. There was one time even when I was walking with Moses. And we had the Egyptians coming and bearing down on us. And then all of a sudden he stuck his rod out over the sea and it split. And we walked through and then it killed the Egyptians. I mean, Moses was killing it. Moses was powerful. But here's what you don't see. As long as you're looking that way, you can't see that what you have in front of you is a Joshua who has the power to possess the land that God has promised you in your life. And he will take you there if you'll just simply follow him and look at him. Oh my goodness this morning. We got to let go of what was. And here's the thing. People that are stuck looking in the wrong direction cannot see the value in where God is trying to take them. The only value, they only value what is behind them and they refuse to embrace what is before them. And because of that, because of that, many of them become casualties of the journey. The wilderness is full of dead man's bones. People that along the way kept looking backwards to Egypt, kept focused on a Moses that was past his time, and died in the wilderness because they could not embrace what God was trying to do for their life next. 
I'm just saying to you this morning, I don't want you to die in the wilderness this morning. There's a promised land that God has prepared for us. And Moses is dead. By all means, don't join him. He's gone. He's over with. Let go so you can grab hold of what is in front of you. Philippians 3.12 says, Not that I have already attained or I am already perfected, but I press what on, that I may lay hold of that which is before me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's got a hold of me. And now I'm consumed with a goal, a mission for the prize of the upward call. The calling of God in my life drives me. That's where we have to be. What do you need this morning to let go of so you can grab hold of what God is trying to give you? What do you need to let go of and grab hold of of what God is trying to give you? Does something in your past have your attention, good or bad? Because Moses is dead. Verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead, period, now. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan... You and all this people to the land which I am given to them, the children of Israel. Joshua chapter 1 verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead now. Now what? Verse 2 tells us, now therefore arise and go. No one, no one, again, I want to say this again because, listen, don't get this messed up this morning. No one is minimizing the pain of loss, good or bad. Especially not the pain associated with the loss of good things. It hurts. It feels unfair. I get that. It's not what we would have chosen. I understand that. I have things in my own life that hurts to think about. And I don't want to let them go either. But I do believe that something greater awaits me. If I can find the courage to pursue it. So here's the second point. We have to let go, but we also have to move on. Letting go is not enough. You have to also move on. Wednesday night, if you're missing Wednesday night, you're missing good teaching. I'm just telling you. You're missing good stuff that is really foundational stuff that will help you. But one of the things, I'm going to talk about a couple of things that I talked about Wednesday night. But we talked about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And Lazarus is dead now. And they call for Jesus. And Jesus doesn't come when they think he should. And, and, and when he finally does come, Lazarus has been dead for four days. And Mary, she's mad about it, really. And she just sits in the house when she hears Jesus is coming. And she don't go out to meet him. But it says that Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. And if you do the study, he was about two miles away from her. And so Martha understands the the value of pursuing Jesus. And so my question to the group that night was, are you going to be a seeker or a sulker? Are you going to be someone that says, I'm not happy about the way things are going, and so I'm sitting here, and if Jesus wants me, he can come to where I'm at? Or am I going to be a seeker that says, I believe Jesus. I know he's a good God. I know he loves me. I know he cares about me. And I'm willing to go and find him to figure out what in the world's going on, and so I'm going to seek him until I have some answers. A seeker or a sulker. You better smile because some of you are looking like sulkers right now. A seeker or a sulker. 
A seeker is a pursuer of the promise. A sulker is a powder over the past. Let me say it again. Are you going to be a seeker, a pursuer of the promise, or a sulker, a powder over the past? Well, I just don't like the way things are going. Well, you can sit and sulk about it, or you can get up and begin to seek God about it. Because here's what I've come to understand in my walk with God is that you can never go wrong seeking Christ. You may not understand where you're at right now, but if you start to seek him, he begins to unfold the reality of what's going on and that he has a grander plan than I could ever conceive in my mind. You can't possess the future stuck in yesterday. You can't live in the present moment stuck in the past. The promise of God is your best days are before you. But that cannot be realized when all we do is look behind us. Life was never meant to be lived looking in the rear view mirror. I said crashes happen when we're looking behind us instead of looking where we're going. You don't believe me this morning? Try it when you leave the parking lot. Just look in your rearview mirror and head out and see how that works out for you. Not going to go well. Because you can't look in the past and expect to find where you're headed in the future. So move on. The past is the past. It was good or it wasn't. But whatever it is, it is over. So move on. Look at your neighbor and tell him it's time to move on this morning. I'm not trying to be calloused. I'm not trying to be insensitive today. But you got to move on. Listen, bury it. Have a service for it. Mourn over its lost. Send it flowers. Do whatever you need to do. But by all means, when you're done, move on. How long are we going to let what happened to you be a thing in our lives? How long will that be a limiter for you? And again, I encourage you, cry. Beat the wall. Scream, God, why? I don't know what you got to do. Whatever you have to do, do it. But when you're done, let's move on. Put a period on the end and now. Moses is dead, period. I'm not making it up. It's right there. Moses, my servant, is dead, period. Now, therefore, arise and go. I understand that your husband left you. Put a period on the end of that and now. I understand you had to file bankruptcy. Put a period on that and now. I understand your mama passed away. Put a period on that and now. I understand that you were engaged and dumped. Put a period on that and now. I understand you were abused as a child. Put a period on that and now. I understand that your kids are grown up and messed up and your house is empty now. Put a period on it and now. It's dead. Bury it. Cry over it. But when you're finished grieving, put a period on it. And then now. Now move on. Move on. How long? How long are we going to let what happened to us keep, keep happening to us? How long are you going to let what took place, good or bad, captivate you and keep you stuck from moving into a place that God has prepared for you? Too many people are obsessed with the past instead of being obsessed by the now and the next. Move on. Move on. Are you with me this morning? All right, one more. 
Verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. It's not enough to move on. You also have to move in. I said it's not enough to let go, to move on. You also have to move in. If you don't move into something, the gravitational pull of going back is too great to deal with. Once you move on, you have to move in as quickly as possible. Or you go back and you grab hold of what you let go of and the cycle starts all over again. You've seen it. I've seen it many, many times. I get out of drugs, but I don't move into something. I just move on from something. And before long, the gravitational pull is so great that I'm right back in the mess that I was in in the beginning because I I let go, I moved on, but I never moved into a different phase of my life. And because of that, it sucked me backwards. Relationships. I moved on. He was a jerk. He mistreated me. He wasn't right for me. I let go. I moved on. And then before long, I start feeling the pull back again because I never moved into what was next for my life. Pastor, I don't understand why I keep going around this same old mountain. I'm telling you why. When you let go and you move on, you got to also move into the next thing. I talked about this a little bit Wednesday night. And this is so important because it's the most critical part of your journey. Is this gap between the promise of God and the fulfillment of that promise. You know, many of you have promises of God that have meant something to you. You've shared them with me over the years. God promised me this. God told me this. I know it was God. I didn't fabricate that. I didn't conjure that up in my mind. It was something that God told me. I have no doubt that God spoke to me, but I haven't seen it yet. I'm talking about that gap between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. It's it's that place that is probably the most difficult part of your journey. It's the gap between letting go and moving in. There's always a space between those two places. And that is a place where your faith is really, really tested. I have a promise. And so will I continue to believe the promise or will I start to waver over time? Because here's the issue is that we become, we we get into uncharted territory here. And when we're in uncharted territory, the tendency to let fear drive us is very strong. Will I let fear drive me back to what is familiar or will I continue on with God in this uncharted territory? The gap is a testing time. It is a time where observation of your life is very much a thing. It's an observation time for those around you. When, when they know of the promise of God in your life and they know that you haven't seen that promise fulfilled, everybody's paying attention and everybody is watching. They're watching how you wait. They're watching how you journey. They're watching how you deal. The gap is also a place, and this is, this is vital here. The gap is also a place where we can increase time between the two places. The children, of in, the children of Israel increased their gap from three to four days to 40 years. The gap from letting go out of Egypt, journeying through the wilderness, they're moving on, 
to their point of moving into the promised land, that gap between getting out of Egypt and into the promised land was only meant to be a three to four day journey and it turned into a 40 year journey. We can increase the time if we don't pay attention in the gap. The two greatest gap increasers are unfaithfulness and grumbling. Unfaithfulness and grumbling. Unfaithfulness is the expression of the double-minded. It's when I can't decide between a course of action and I'm faltering between two opinions and I'm thinking about it this way one day and the next day I'm convinced that there's another way and a better way. And so I'm constantly going back and forth and that back and forth creates unfaithfulness in my life. Should I be faithful to church? Do I have other things to do? Faltering between two opinions and it results in unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness is the expression of the double-minded. Grumbling is the expression of the unthankful. I'm not thankful for what God has done for me, and therefore I grumble and complain about it. When I get out of being grateful and thankful, the natural progression is for me to be a grumbler and a complainer. And it's very easy to slip out of being thankful and having the, the attitude of gratitude and move right into this idea that I'm entitled, that I deserve, that I've earned, and that God's not given me my due. That's what increased the gap for the children of Israel. You know, isn't it funny? To, it's funny to me that we're only thankful for stuff after it's moved on in our lives. The whole time the children of Israel were with Moses, they complained about Moses. Moses didn't feed them fast enough. Moses didn't water them fast enough. Moses didn't give them cover over, overnight. They didn't know why they were going this way. They didn't know why they were having to do this. They were wishing they had back in Egypt. The whole time they're complaining. But then when Moses is dead, all they talk about is how great Moses was. Isn't it true? Why can't we be thankful in the present? Why can't we be thankful for what God is doing, not what God has done? It's that gap. And let me tell you, you have to guard your mind in the gap. You can't be wavering between two opinions. Don't go there. Don't refuse to let your mind drift back and forth between two things. Do what the Word of God says and commit to it no matter what. And if you will do that, you won't have a gap that lasts any longer than God intended. But as long as you're wavering, you're just adding days to your gap. You have to guard your tongue in the gap. I have to be careful about what I say. I'm sitting here on one hand asking for God's blessing in my life and cursing it all along the way. God, I want your blessing in my life. I don't know why I have to go to work. I have to be at work at 7 o'clock in the morning. That's ridiculous. You're cursing what you're wanting God to do. Guard your tongue. And what happens in those moments? We just add days to our gap. We have to guard the promise. Don't give up on the promise in the gap. 
What God said, God's going to do. The Bible tells us that God's not a liar. God's not a man that he should lie. He is convinced that what he said to you is going to come to pass. He's just waiting on us to follow him and stick with him and to make it happen. I would go even a step further this, this morning and say, we need to learn to appreciate the gap. We have to learn to appreciate that. In the gap, you're standing on the front side of the great thing that God wants to do in your life. And it is the ability to recognize and appreciate God at work on the front side of the miracle that is just so precious. There's a unique vantage point that only a few, very few, fully take in. Let me give you the two out of the millions in our story and context. Out of the millions that left Egypt, only two had the understanding to see and appreciate what God was trying to do on the front side. Caleb and Joshua. Everybody else couldn't see it. Everybody else, the only thing you hear from them is, it was... It was. It was great in Egypt. We had good food there. They had some nice building projects going on. I mean, we had all kinds of stuff happening. But Joshua and Caleb said, man, that land, that land is flowing with milk and honey. There are all kinds of things there. There's all kinds of promise there. There's all kinds of opportunity there. They appreciated it on the front side. The gap makes me appreciate the promise. It makes me thankful for who God is and what God can do and what God has done. Lauren, would you come? And so I'm just saying to you this morning that you have to move on. You have to keep moving on until you move in to what God has for you. Keep moving in until God, until you're into that place that God has for you. Joshua chapter 1 verse 2, Moses, my servant is dead now. Therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them. Let go, move on, and move in to what God has prepared for you. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burgrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us after Till I found myself face down on your shore. You said, Come to the river.